Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. All-Star Selection is upon us. We're doing it a little earlier this year, so we're not limited to dealing with the starters that everyone else selects. We've got carte blanche this year. The criteria, of course, two guards, three front court, which is weird. They That was done a few years ago to eliminate the position of center because there was this idea that all the centers were bad and now center is one of the deepest positions in the NBA. So there are definitely different ways to do that. But, you know, we are going to go two guards and three front court. And then with the reserves, I don't think we're going to run into any problems. We'll probably just pick our seven best guys and go back and look and see if that conflicts with the strictures the coaches apparently i hadn't heard this but according to zach Lowe, they were told that basically you can kind of shoehorn guys into whatever position you want if you're struggling to get the guys on that you want so i think we'll uh use that as well so uh, do you want to talk any more uh, about what your criteria are before we get started here one thing i'll say is this year i was a little bit more amenable to guys that are having good years but don't necessarily have the track record of giving them an appearance i am much more rigid with all NBA because the idea that those are more heavily considered for Hall of Fame and all that type of stuff. But for for an all-star berth, I, I remember I had this one year with Goran Dragic. So there are some guys on this that I think there are other players who are who are better basketball players, but because they're not having as good a year or something like that, I wanted to reward, you know, I've, the, my tiebreaker was who's having the better season, not who the better player is. Yeah, I think part of why you're having to embrace that is that the ends of the conference, even in the West, you're not getting guys that you really think of like, oh yeah that guy's clearly an all-star you know and certainly in the east we've had that problem for quite some time here under drummond but it's uh it doesn't seem like quite as strong of a field in you know kind of the 25th through 30th best players in the nba type of slot as it used to be where you either have established guys having down years or you've got some guys who are not as established who are having really good years and you're forced to make a decision there my thinking on the overall criteria has evolved to some degree and it especially comes in with regard to missed games but also performance as well but more so missed games for example i'm gonna have lebron james starting over paul george in my western conference and you can say oh man lebron you know he's missed 15 games how can you say that well i think it's kind of an accident that we have to make this decision at essentially the halfway mark of the season and but these all-star births count for the entire season and of course you can't know what's going to happen the rest of the season but i think past performance can be a decent guide there and then also if you look in terms of missed games 
if it's a number of missed games where at the end of the season you're like ah that wasn't really that much right like you'd be like oh lebron he's missed 15 games and only played 45 that's a third of the season those numbers aren't exact so he's been a third less valuable than paul george if their performance was similar well yeah but if you get to the end of the season and both guys stay healthy the rest of the year that 15 games doesn't matter as much and lebron james is just a much much better player than paul george and always has been so i think that's kind of where i come down on the missed games a little bit now if you've missed half the season so far or you've missed more than that you know if you're at like chris paul type of levels and of course he hasn't been as good this year as well now you're you're that's going to really hurt your candidacy paul not a serious candidate for me but that's kind of how i'm doing it here and i don't want to get stuck with a guy on my team who it's at the end of the year whether it's just he's going to regress or the other guy is just going to play the rest of the year and he's just way better where you look back on it at the end of the year and you're like oh hey you know for those 40 games like that guy was awesome he should have been an all-star it's the all-star team for the whole season and while you can't necessarily say all of the performance that's going to happen beyond this i do think it represents the whole season and you have to at least have some kind of component of what you think might happen the rest of the year Sure. One other thing I want to mention that matters for me is degree of difficulty. So you can have a more efficient player, but if they are more of a dependent guy, especially if they're if they're offensive specialists, then I'm going to degrade that. And whereas if somebody is, you know, they have to shoulder the burden, they have to create, especially if their team is successful, then I'm going to give them a little bit more deference. And this actually comes into play more in the Eastern Conference than the Western Conference. But there are a few guys where you can make an argument that at least statistically, another guy is having a better season. But I think the job they have to do is a lot more manageable. Yeah, I'm definitely in agreement there. And and obviously, whether it's prospects, whether it's the top 10 players in the NBA, whether it's all NBA, which we do on a, on a monthly basis, uh, all the usual things that we talk about there in terms of just evaluating players and what we valued over the years are going to uh, apply here why don't we start with our eastern conference starters i'm gonna guess that four of the five slots are just written in stone for you they are for me kyrie irving at one of the guard slots been far and away the best guard in the eastern conference it's not even close Giannis Antetokounmpo. Kawhi Leonard again those two guys uh, easily the best wings in the Eastern Conference at this point in time with LeBron in other conference uh, and then Joel Embiid at center again just nobody else in the same universe at him at the center position or at the front court position in the Eastern Conference uh, are you in agreement with all those four I am in agreement with them and they were actually the only four guys so I separated out in in terms of undeniables where basically you you cannot make a case for them to not be an all-star and I only had four in the Eastern Conference and it was those four guys and then the last spot it really is a a a tough call between Kyle Lowry and Kemba Walker for me both guys are having Beal huh no I mean Beal I I don't think he has the same type of case just because of of the workload that he's handling like I I think Bradley Beal has a very good case to be an all-star but that other spot and again I don't think about positions load that he's handling can you can you elaborate on that so for me Kemba well so I guess that's more comparing him to Kemba like for me because Kemba is the primary creator for the Hornets and I mean Bradley Beal has a lot more on his plate now you know over the last couple weeks since John Wall got hurt but overall during the season he's he can he has more stretches where he can be a dependent talent I also you know Beal I think plays a position of more defensive value and yet he you know he's he's not bad but he's he's not not great there for Kyle Lowry you can make the argument that Bradley Beal is like theoretically you know the the workload like what he has to do is is tougher but we also saw what happened when Kyle Lowry missed time as great as the rest of the Raptors roster is so yeah Bradley Beal is absolutely an all-star for me but I don't have him quite in that mix 
that's interesting i i to me it was down to kem beal and lowry wasn't even in serious consideration to start as far as i was concerned um lowry's an interesting case i guess we could talk about him now another season where the on-off numbers uh, have loved him that's been the case uh, for such a long time here lowry is 10th in the nba again in rpm he's been really a top 10 type of player for the last three or four years now and they have really struggled offensively when he hasn't played even even when Kawhi Leonard has been available in fact uh, PIPM Jacob Goldstein's metric that tries to account more for the effect of luck with your teams and opponent shooting in particular free throw shooting Lowry is 12th in that metric he's missed time but probably not enough to really be a a massive factor I mean my my thought on missing time essentially unless it's just like so much is as I talked about is all right if we're absolutely splitting hairs with these guys then i'm willing to consider uh, the missed time but overall you know lowry it's at 1200 minutes beals uh, over 1600 walker uh, among the league leaders uh, in minutes as well and so certainly by the on off metrics beal and kemba are not even in the same league as cal lowry is beal is 46th in pipm 72nd in rpm kemba is 39th in rpm 59th in pipm so yeah i mean if those are the metrics that you're really interested in lowry probably is you could say a higher level of performance established over his career than those guys it's just he's so non-traditional in the sense of like what makes an all-star even you know back when he was scoring a lot more and a much bigger part of the offense and now you know i I think his usage is like below 20 percent when Kawhi's on the floor it's like really low so yeah it it is hard to know and they've got a lot of, of other talent on that team as well there is something that he does in terms of moving the ball spreading the floor you know, i think he's been a little better defensively this year as well so i i don't know i mean did, did you end up going with lowry or, or i'm sorry i forgot what you said as i went through that stat no i went with kemba okay. I, I went with kemba i mean i i this isn't his best year i mean we talked about that in the 15 and 60 on sunday night but he has a lot to do on on the hornets and he's having you know he's having a, a pretty good year his start of the year was absolutely ridiculous it's it's unfortunate that he's fallen back enough to make this a conversation because early on it wasn't but that's also great on bradley beal for for really working his way into it so and i mean also some of that is just we get into this sometimes with like triple doubles where it's it just so happens that the line of division you know like for where these guys are is a starting spot you know if, the, if we were talking about these as the three and four guards it wouldn't be as big you know i wouldn't think of it as, as much of a deal i in fact did go with bradley beal perhaps influenced a little bit by what's happened since wall's been out but i think we can take that going forward the rest of the year a, a little bit more as well beal a much better defender to me than walker i think he does try pretty hard on that end walker i think what he was doing at the start of the year was very much based on a, some pretty ridiculous shooting off the pick and roll off the drill for three beal to me is a much more versatile score at this point in time so i i, I think bradley beal is just a, a little bit better than kemba at this point i mean that's a ultimately what it's going to boil down to for me i've been just incredibly impressed my thought with him was that he just wasn't really able to ramp up his usage and still stay efficient and really create shots and i think he's he's proven that he can do that now between all these guys even lowry as well if you want to throw him into the mix this is one of the sorriest competitions that we've seen for a starting all-star spot in a long time so i'm uh and this is really really difficult but it's more because none of these guys just jump off the page as like even close to being a top 10 player in the nba which in theory you would think that if you're an all-star starter you're in that conversation and none of these guys are for me but i did go with bradley beal ultimately so to recap Kyrie and beal for me uh, as the starters Giannis, Kawhi, and Embiid, and then you simply replaced beal with uh, kemba walker 
Yeah, and Beal is obviously one of my prominent reserves. So I want to go through the other guys that I think are, I, I'm totally comfortable, you know, like there wasn't even really, fr- they weren't fringe guys as reserves for me. And those those are actually both guards, and that's Kyle Lowry and Bradley Beal. Both guys, you know, Beal's having a wonderful season. Lowry, you know, it's, we, we talked about the value and all the elements there, but both those guys. And while there are plenty of other guards that are doing well, I, I saw them as kind of a, a little bit of a separation between them and the other players really at, at any position. Then after that, I considered everything, you know, somewhat fringy where there were guys, I mean, the pl- I'm happy with the guys that I chose, but I think you could make a capable argument for other players like that. That really was where the line was for me of like, okay, these guys should be in and then everyone else, you know, we'll, we'll see. Like, it got a little dicier. I actually thought to me, I got to 11 very quickly and then 12th was just impossible. So Blake Griffin clearly has got to be in there. I mean, just yeah, uh, he's uh, in having mind. a, a yeah. great year. I mean, I, I just, he's the only guy in the Pistons. Uh, you mentioned degree of difficulty. His degree of difficulty is quite high. Ben Simmons, though, I do think he is overrated. Just the competition below him is just not even close uh, as far as I'm concerned. So he's, uh, I would uh, put him in there as well. Kemba, Lowry, definitely. I mean, Lowry, again, you know, he has missed some time. The traditional stats, the box score stats are not unbelievable for him. But given his track record, given how good the Raptors have been when he has played, I think you have to throw him in there again. He's just got a much higher established level of performance and much better on-off metrics than this group that we'll get to that's below him. Jimmy Butler, I know Zach Lowe was saying, hey, you know what? After what happened in Minnesota, you can just take a hike from my all-star team. I'm sorry, he's just too good and the competition is just too below. I mean, he's I, I think he's been a little bit down in terms of his stats but you know that he's playing with a couple of other stars the fit hasn't been great with him although i do i do think the whole fit between the big three aspect is way overrated there just as an aside in philly and we're not going to be able to tell anything about that until they actually get some other players around these guys that fit outside of their top four but butler i mean he still looks like the same guy to me he's been playing at an all-star level for years now he's just a too much of a better player than these guys that are below them to seriously consider leaving him off and then i think the last guy getting up to number 11 here is vucevic and i mean is that was he an obvious pick for you i'm shocking myself by saying this but i I think he has to be i had him i definitely had him on my team i mean vooch the i have him and a different center as i I, who i who i also put on the team they're they're kind of two sides of an interesting coin vooch has been you know spectacular offensively this year and he's been good enough defensively which is why i have him as an all-star this year but it, it was a little bit of a conflict for me just because i consider center primarily a defensive position and vooch is more on the just enough side of defense rather than that being a real staple in his case but yeah he he made my team and and i didn't really agonize over him either so yeah i guess that's it's fair to say yeah i mean when you look at now the magic obviously have big time backup point guard problems they have big time backup center problems in terms of their offense but the numbers both his individual statistics the efficiency i mean really the big problem with him before was that he wasn't efficient and yeah i mean i think he's going to drop off some i don't know if he's going to keep shooting quite this well but we've been saying that for a while and he's still been been huge for them and again the way that they played with him on the floor versus off it has been a very eye-opening so any of my other ones that you quibble with what about butler did you have any qualms about him or is he on your team as well jimmy butler was among my existential crisis for the 12th spot so i had him slightly below you but not that much and i i think i probably weighed in the minnesota element of this more than you did but it still wasn't enough he so 
so it's interesting though, the guy that I didn't hesitate as much on as apparently you did, I don't know if you ended up picking him as your 12th guy, is Miles Turner. For me, Miles Turner is a having a wonderful year defensively. I'm willing to give him enough credit for All-Star. Like we're not to the All-NBA conversation or defensive player of the year yet, but he's been huge for them. The Pacers still have the third best defense in the league. I consider center the most important position. They held up pretty well when Oladipo was gone. And I think he's having, you know, it, it's it was weird for me to put Turner above Oladipo because they were really competing for those last spots together. But I wanted that. That was another one of those. Like I think Victor Oladipo is probably a better basketball player than Miles Turner, but I think Turner's had a better season and I wanted to reward him. Yeah, you've uh, you've always liked Turner. Turner was certainly in consideration for me uh, in that 12th spot. Um, So uh, I guess we can spoil it now. Did you in fact pick Butler as your 12th guy? I did. Yeah. I did. So I'll go through a, a batch of the guy. And I also had Ben Simmons on mine. He was in that, he was kind of, I had him like 10 or so if, if we were to order it. So the guys that I seriously considered for that 12th spot, it's a, it's a great group. I mean, so you have... Is it Butler? Is it a great pass- group? I mean, relative well, it, it, to like it's it's a it's an even it's an even group. Let's put it. That, <laughs> I guess that's a more fair way of putting it. So you have but- Butler, who you know the 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 weights on him, but I think he's the best player, which is a part of why that gets in there, and he's having a good year too. It's just a different kind of good year. Pascal Siakam, who was a tough omission for me, but again, he's more of a dependent player, and he is providing value defensively. But I don't think of him as their defensive linchpin. I, that might just be me being unfair I, to Pascal Siakam. I, I, but I would quibble with you saying that he's a a dependent player. I think he actually has a lot of unassisted baskets. I, I, well, I in trans in transition and all that. Yeah, yeah, he's not fully dependent. Like he's more he's he's closer to that than a lot of other kind of like fours. I mean, I, but I he's not like saying he's like Oladipo. Yeah, he's lower usage. His spot ups obviously are, are are more dependent. But he does a lot of stuff off the dribble. He sets guys up to, sure. to some degree. Yeah. Um, but if you're comparing him to like Brad Beal or sure. Ben Simmons or some of those types of guys, like like yeah, I think that I think that. And I like I like Siakam's case personally better than Chris Middleton, a player who I've perf- who I've liked for a long time. That was a tough omission. And then Victor Oladipo is in this conversation. I mean, he's having a worse year materially than last year when I had him as an All NBA player. But he just, you know, I I don't think he's as good a player as Jimmy Butler. I, he's not. It's not like Oladipo's having this great year, like kind of the Siakam argument. Great year, pivotal part of a, of a great team. Like he is having a, a pivotal part of a great team. But you know, the, so th- those were the guys that I seriously considered. You know, there are a few others that I could give like nominal honorable mention that people will probably get pissed at me for not mentioning, but that's really who I seriously consider. Yeah. So Turner was in the mix for my 12th spot. Uh, the numbers on him third in defensive PIPM, sixth in defensive RPM. The numbers, the out off numbers on his offense uh, are not very good. I think he's been more valuable as he's gotten to shoot more threes lately, but not a great finisher on the rim, takes a lot of two point jumpers. So that's definitely a concern. But I do think he, the, he's he got a pretty good argument for being the best defensive player in the conference, maybe up there with Giannis. Others considered for me, you know, Al Horford is like kind of getting shit on this year. And yeah, he's headed down a year. But he does have a very high established level of performance. I mean, it was just last playoffs that, that he dominated. 59% true shooting is totally good. 18% usage is not as good. He missed some games. He's played 37 games. That's not enough to really kick him out uh, for me. Uh, but the on-off numbers are not as good for him. 73rd in PIPM, 48th in RPM. So he's just a little bit below this level. And actually, I have not officially selected my 12th guy yet. I'm going to do that live uh, on the air as I kind of go through this and, and talk myself into it. I think actually Chris Middleton is getting by far 
far the most shine on the Bucks. It's only like 56% true shooting. He's 25th in PIPM, 43rd in RPM. But for a guy who's a shooting specialist like that, league average true shooting, this is on a really good offense. Yeah, he provides a lot by spacing the floor. He has cut out the long twos. That's helped a lot. I mean, I think he's average at best defensively. So I'm not sure why it is that he's just like automatically considered the second Bucks guy. I mean, he's the biggest name. He he scores, but and I think a lot of it is just simply he was so on fire the first three weeks or so of the season that his drop off has kind of gone unnoticed here. So I actually think that two Bucks have a better case than Middleton, and that's Eric Bledsoe, 14th in PIPM, 16th in RPM, and a guy who before he came to Milwaukee was playing at a level that probably would have rendered him an All Star in the East a couple of years in Phoenix, and then Brook Lopez, another guy who's just been so huge for this Bucks defense, quite literally, where they just allow absolutely nothing at the rim. Giannis is a part of that. Obviously, the scheme is a big part of that. Having guys like Bledsoe on the perimeter, Bledsoe has been used to his strengths of just stick with whoever you're guarding off the pick and roll and never leave him. Uh, and then just Lopez is 16th in PIPM, 36th in RPM. And But the spacing that he has provided has been ridiculous. And again, Lopez, you might think, oh yeah, he's not like an all-star. Where are we getting this from? And he's playing much differently than, than back in those days. But he was playing at, if not an all-star level, certainly a, a very solid level in his Brooklyn days. And then, you know, really was underutilized perhaps last year with the Lakers. So he does have a little bit more of an established level of performance here. And he's obviously been fantastic defensively. So I actually, between Bledsoe, Lopez, and Milton, I'm not sure who has the best case among the Bucks. And then it's a very similar story for me with some Raptors. You know, Siakam, 24th in PIPM, 20th in RPM. I'm still not quite a believer in what he's doing. You know, this is a, a new level of performance for him. I mean, he was at 70% true shooting. Now he's down to 63%. You know, th- that matters. Um, he is doing more off the dribble course. He's been a very valuable player. But I think Serge Ibaka and Danny Green also should be in the discussion here. Uh, Green, 19th in PIPM, 22nd in RPM, has always rated pretty well in the on-off metrics when he hasn't been injured. Shooting 42% from three, 59% true shooting. The Raptors, best net rating on the Raptors, 13 net rating when he's out there and he certainly is far from the traditional conception of what we would say an all-star should be just like jj reddick another guy who the sixers are very dependent on and part of green's value has come from the fact that the raptors don't really have another guy who's shooting the ball the way he is and so he's so important to them and he's playing fewer minutes so i'm not going to go with danny green but i think he needs to be talked about in this kind of weak field when his numbers are pretty good in terms of the on-off stuff i know i've gone on for a long time here but uh oladipo to me he's reached a higher level before in his career last season than any of the guys we're talking about here but he's missed a whole month and then he just has not been the same guy and not only not the same guy in terms of just like hitting the jump shot but just watching him has not looked the same he has not had the same impact and so i i couldn't really seriously consider him especially when he's only really one year before this at that level of performance um so after all of that I'm still really torn on who to pick. I mean, I think Eric Bledsoe probably has the best statistical case of these guys, which is crazy to say. Again, he gets got shit on so much during the playoffs last year. And he's not like a main pick and roll engine. I think he's like 22% usage for the Bucs. Oof. I was hopeful I would talk myself into someone and I haven't really succeeded. <laughs> 
don't know. You you got any reaction to all that? Maybe I can let my my brain stew this over a little more. I'm happy you brought it, Bledsoe. I'm mad at myself that I didn't. I he has he has a stronger case, I think, than I I, I don't really pay as much attention to where the buzz is. That's just not something I I really connect with as much. But yeah, but he deserves it if he's not getting it. I I don't know if that's where where that is. I think he has a stronger case than Milton. I think he's been better overall this season. I'm happy you brought up Brook Lopez as well. Al Horford, you know, wonderful player, just not having quite the same impact for me. That's why I had Miles Turner above him. I have no problem. I, I would actually be pretty happy if Brook made the all-star team just because he is an important part of what the Bucks are doing. He's also a very important part of what makes them special, which is something that I appreciate and is, is kind of a cool thing to reward with an all-star appearance. But yeah, I ended up, I, I mean, I had Miles Turner above this. I had Butler as my last guy in. I had Turner as the 11th. Yeah. But I mean, for me, just the, the part that he's playing in Indiana's defense just being shocking. And and when you watch it, it's not this, you know, fluky opponents are missing a bunch of threes or anything like that. Like they've been a wonderful defense this year. And maybe it ends up being that that credit goes to coaching or the team effort. I mean, Thad Young, and they have a lot of a lot of really good defenders on this team. But, you know, I'll, I'm going to give the credit to Miles Turner. And as you said, he's a guy that I've liked forever. I, I ranked him, I think, third or fourth in his draft class, something like that. So I've been high on him. I And I didn't expect him to be as good defensively. So maybe I'm the surprise bonus kind of there for him. So, yeah, that's where I would go. But you could do whatever the hell you want. There's a lot of a lot of good choices, uh, yeah. even choices here. I, I think you talked me into it. I think I will go with Turner. But, man, I mean, it's just, you know, to say that he's necessarily even been better than Brooke Lopez is tough. I mean, Lopez clearly a better offensive player. Yeah, you know, I'm just not sure how portable Lopez is in terms of his defense. You know, I think with he's in a great place that makes use of the skills that he has. And if he can't get out on the floor for to guard guys shooting three-pointers, it doesn't matter. <laughs> like, they just don't care, I guess. Um, so, yeah, I, I think I will go uh, with Turner uh, as my last guy. God, that was just agonizing more than it should have been. But the fact that you get down to where, you know, we're talking about guys who are pretty low in the hierarchy in the league here makes it a lot more difficult because it's so hard to differentiate between the 35th and 36th best players in the NBA as opposed to, you know, the 19th and 20th best players in the NBA. So I will go with Miles Turner, write him in, in pen for posterity uh, all time here. Before we move on, let's talk a little bit about Indochino. I wore Indochino for posterity as well at my wedding. They made my tux, which fit perfectly. I visited their showroom in San Francisco, where a stylist personally took my measurements and then took about three weeks for the tux to arrive. Or you can measure at home yourself and you could shop online at Indochino.com. Indochino, I also trusted them to do my groomsmen's sport jackets. Those all turned out fantastically as well. And if they don't, they'll obviously make any modifications for you. They'll even make you a new one if it's not to your specifications and those specifications can include the size of the lapel the lining the pocket the buttons the monogram they have a ton of different fabrics you don't have to do the whole thing where you go to the store and let's say you have a bigger upper body a smaller lower body and to get a paired suit that's large enough for your upper body you have to get like a 40 inch waist and then they they tailor it at the store that never works out well enough and you're not just limited to the rack anymore you've got these ridiculous number of of fabrics and patterns that have indochino as north america's leading made to measure menswear company they also make shirts to your exact measurements as well this week my listeners can get any premium indochino suit for just 359 dollars at indochino.com 
capspacecode.com when you enter that familiar capspace code at checkout 50 percent off the regular price for a made-to-measure premium suit shipping is free that's indochino.com promo code capspace will get you any premium suit for just 359 dollars and free shipping this is just a great deal and make sure you use that familiar capspace code to let them know that you came from us <sighs> western conference this is going to be easier uh, i think you're going to start since i just prattled on in my own feelings for so long about that 12 spot in the east <laughs> you want to kick us off here yeah so i'll start with my undeniables and why the re- the west is easier is because i had seven of the 12 spots is just spoken for in no particular order james harden stephen curry kevin durant lebron james anthony davis paul george and nikola Jokic. i i will not entertain an argument that any of those guys have played at anything other than an all-star level well, I, you gotta so throw lillard in, into that group too right how, how is lillard's in my there? lillard's in my heart to deny I, I think he's a, you know a step down from what those guys have done on a per minute basis. He's been I, I wonderful. Mean, but he's, look at, you know, look he, at who he's you're comparing. I, I, are you thinking about this as just like, hey, you look at this guy and in the just, abstract, he just screams all star. There's no way he, he can miss. Yes. It. Okay. All right. That makes a, yes. a little more sense, although not that much more. I think Damian Lillard screams all star pretty well. I mean, he's like the only guy playing it close to an all star level on a team that in this murderous West is like well above 500. So, uh, and and yeah, his, he's the I only mean, guy in my hard to deny category. So yeah, yeah that's fair. Yeah. That's well, well, maybe it should be a little harder to deny even than that. <laughs> sure. So, so that's eight spots, and we we I don't think you're not going to fight me on any of those seven. No, I'm not. But, but we got to talk about who the starters should be, though. Sure. So there are only two guards there. So Harden and Curry. There we go. And then the front court gets tough you talked about the idea in the in kind of in the in the eastern conference or in the intro part about how to handle lebron james i think kevin durant and anthony davis have the kind of the the best overall cases they're having really good years they're really good players so then that does bring the choice to lebron and paul george paul george is having the better season i'm still gonna go with lebron i mean he's lebron goddamn james i mean like he he's a ridiculous player he's more important offensively i believe that offense is more important than defense and you know for non-center and so yeah i'm gonna go with lebron with the fifth starter spot over paul george which sucks for paul george i mean he's had he's been i think he's been better than lebron this year he's having a wonderful season but that's what happens yeah and again there's i i explained my feeling on the injuries with the lebron and i mean you mentioned Jokic to me so my starters harden and curry in the background curry yeah he's missed it what it was at three weeks or so with that groin but again i mean that will matter not at all by the end of the season and he's playing at just a completely ridiculous level yet again this season um kd to me was the easiest pick i mean he's number one to me uh, among the front court guys and it's not even close you know you want to compare him to to paul george uh, for example or lebron i mean now you when you're saying between kd and lebron who are pretty similar levels you know yeah then the missed time comes in you know compared to paul george i mean kd has after a little bit of a drop off this year he's been efficient offense on his own 115 offensive rating with him on the floor and Steph Curry off and this is a team that doesn't really have anyone else who has played at that high of an level offensively this year without Steph Curry so I mean he, he's been incredibly efficient in that stretch that he had towards the end of Curry's absence it was unbelievable that's declined a little bit with more of an emphasis now on Curry and Clay Thompson uh coming out of his shell a little bit oh, I shouldn't say coming out of his shell but playing better uh he was certainly with a career high in usage was uh, quite out of his shell even though he wasn't hitting his shots so KDU was sort of the number one candidate 
it here. LeBron to me is probably number two still just because he's LeBron James and was playing at, at an unbelievable level. Anthony Davis, him versus Jokic is an interesting one to me. I focused on that because those guys are both centers and it's nice to at least have a, a center in there. I know that's not the exact criteria, but it's nice to have a real team. The numbers are pretty close in terms of the on-off stuff between AD and Jokic. And you might get me to believe that Jokic is a better offense player than AD. I think AD clearly has him in the scoring metric. Jokic is the best passing center of all time. And you might make the argument that some of the intangible effects for him, even though he's not scoring, he will have these games where he just totally disappears sometimes, which AD I think has done a better job of avoiding this year. But I, I still just, AD has been at this level for longer. And then defensively, there's no comparison between those two guys. I, I know AD is, the Nuggets defense has been better, but when you just consider some of the guys that New Orleans is trotting out there and the numbers between when AD is on and off are, are still extremely favorable to him. So if you want to make these, your team is better arguments, AD is a 4.4 net rating when he's on the floor. Jokic has 7.5. I'm not really willing to listen to arguments of like, oh, the Denver Nuggets have a better record and a better point differential than the New Orleans Pelicans because when the, you're off the floor, unless you've missed a lot of time to where you're off the floor more than you're supposed to be, it's about what you're doing when that player is on the floor and we're talking about all-star. I just think AD is still a better player than Jokic, a better, more athletic, fewer weaknesses. So that's why I went with him as the starter. So that leaves George and Jokic and Lillard to me uh, as locks. Uh, don't think we need to discuss it much more here. I, I do think George is doing it a little bit with smoke and mirrors offensively. And he's just not, he's not the type of guy who's going to really make you an amazing offense by himself. Granted, you know, he's got Russell Westbrook next to him. They don't have a lot of shooting, but he's just never been that in his career. I think he's, he is a second banana offensively. Certainly adds a lot of defensive value, but I'm not going to say he has more defensive value than AD either. So, and George just isn't as good of a player. That's what it ultimately boils down to here. Both Jokic and George are having great seasons, but they are just, until further notice, a little bit below some of these other guys. And we talked about how awesome the top seven players in the NBA are right now. And Jokic and George, to me, are just a little bit below that group. And same thing with Lillard, but I think Lillard is clearly should be in. So that leaves us, we've got eight guys now. Where are we going now? So my ninth actually wasn't as tough a call. He's certainly not in the same caliber as the other eight that we talked about. But Rudy Gobert, you know, my pick for, actually, I think I had him number two for Defensive Player of the Year the last time we did awards. Just a masterful defensive player overall, doing a nice job offensively too. And while the West centers are stacked and, you know, you know, Stephen Adams having a good year, he's going to get consideration for a later spot for me. I think Gobert has been, you know, like he he fills that ninth spot pretty ably for me, especially because some of the other guys that I generally, you know, like really like as basketball players aren't having as good of a year relative to even their own standards. So I, I, I had him as kind of another separation for everyone else. Yeah, I think that's fair. He's just been so good defensively. The Jazz are right back to where they're supposed to be defensively. The numbers in terms of him preventing shots at the rim with when he's on the floor are ridiculous and then he's you know i'm not gonna say he's some great offensive center but he does uh, fulfill a role there as a finisher extremely uh, efficient these days solid offensive rebounder so he, he does a uh, very good screener part of it's the offense but he's annually close to the lead in screen assists so he deserves credit for that i mean i'm not saying he's some awesome offensive player but i, I do think he's uh, a useful player on that end to be sure there is an element of maybe not having to guard him but uh, then the other guys who come into this to, now all really have their flaws at this point in time or you know are just not really at the level of performance right so 
Carl Towns, if Jimmy Butler is going to get a bunch of shit for Minnesota sucking the first month of the season, Carl Towns just pouting his way through because he didn't like Butler deserves if not as much scorn a fair amount of it he's been unbelievable since then and he's again a very high established level of performance on offense he's been better defensively this year he's going to make it for me uh, for that reason although it is you know that is a ward on him is how he played the first month but i think again once you get towards the end of the year that's not going to matter as much another guy who i do have in at this point and i would even say towns to me is is a level above you know as we're getting to towns is my 10th guy he's he's pretty obvious he's not in the conversation to me for the last guy and then another guy who I thought was my 11th, I have a feeling that you're going to disagree here, is LaMarcus Aldridge. Another guy who really struggled the first month or so of the season, but he's been so key in the Spurs resurgence. I think he's a, a quality defensive player still. And, you know, he's been like 60% true shooting now since the beginning of, of December and played at an all-star level last year as well. He, he's got a, a great track record above a lot of these other guys. So, I mean, the only other guy who you might say in terms of track record should be in here is Russell Westbrook. But I mean, his that 475 true shooting number is just like, I'm sorry, you're you're not going to be a lock uh, or I mean, we're going to give him heavy, heavy consideration, I would imagine. But it, it's pretty difficult. So so that's how I've got my 11 at this point in time. And we can talk about the, the rest of the guys. I'm guessing you're probably lower on Aldridge. You generally have been. And I am. Yeah, I think Aldridge, if if we were doing this two or three weeks from now, I could absolutely see it. But that horrible first stretch you, of the season mean, is still a significant part of the You mean when the All-Star the game is going to actually take place? Yes, when the All-Star game is actually going to take place. But that's not the way this necessarily works. I mean, voting ends soon, and then you have all the reserves and all that kind of stuff. And also for me, Aldridge, it's different than some of the other players we talked about this in the East, where he, he played at that level last year, but I don't consider Aldridge like a perennial, like that level of like, he was, he was All-NBA for both of us last year. I don't see him as a perennial All-NBA player. And those guys i give a lot more deference to he as as somebody who doesn't reach that level he certainly was in consideration you know this was another one that was tough for the 12th slot but he didn't he didn't get it for me one thing that i wanted to talk with you about is the difference in case and it and it, it gets at the positional definition between carl anthony towns and stephen adams like i think carl anthony towns is a meaningfully better basketball like talent i think that's certainly fair but adams is an underrated part of what makes the thunder defense so great and i think he he's also a talented offensive player you know not the the biggest usage guy in the world and also somebody who can get underappreciated by certain stat based metrics because defensively on the on the on defensive boards he's an excellent box out guy and so that can sometimes get hard to quantify because he's getting somebody else to get the rebounds including Mr. Russell Westbrook so i i had a lot of trouble squaring those two i had gobert square uh, w- well um, above those two guys not well above but above comfortably above those two guys but i had tr- I, I think i had more trouble with that than you did yeah steven adams wasn't in particularly serious consideration for me i i think he's just not quite dynamic enough on either end i mean are, are you gonna say I, I mean i don't think that he's close to being like a top five center in the league he doesn't really you know offensively he's probably about a neutral when you throw in his offensive rebounding defensively he's solid and i note your point uh, on the boxing out he's mobile he's an okay rim protector but i don't you know, he's just not great at any any of those things other than offensive rebounding it's hard to point to what he's just that good at and so i'm i didn't seriously consider him. i just don't think he's in the same universe uh, as some of these other guys uh, as an overall player um do you want to tell me though who who your uh your 11th because we're, we're at your 11th and 12th guys at this point right you, you had towns in well so i think i'm t- i think i'm 10 11 and 12 okay did, did you have um, Towns? and i think we're yes okay. town towns didn't make 
take it. He he was he was my twelfth guy. Oh, interesting. But okay. yeah, I I just I wasn't comfortable. You know, the the defensive part of it. it again, it might be you know there might be some fool's gold. They also have you know adding Robert Covington really did help them. He's, I mean, obviously they've done okay since he's been out. But yeah, Towns it was a tougher call. And then so. I had a lot of trouble with Russell Westbrook. I ended up putting him on my team. He, the offense, you know, it, 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 there are t- times when his offense completely drives me insane. And I think that his defense is overrated, partially because of the, he, he to me is more on the negative side of the steel range compared to Paul George, where like Paul George, I don't see him gambling nearly as much. You know, like he's just a wonderful defensive player who gets steals because he's a wonderful defensive player. Yeah. If he gambles, Westbrook, he wins, <laughs> Paul George. Yes, if he gambles, he wins. And, and Russ, so Russ, he looks like ridiculous by a lot of the like defensive metrics, like PIPM, I think has him really high. I am not a believer in that. And I also think that offensively, you know, he's obviously still a positive, but not at the same level as even some of the less ball dominant players, just because of what he, the, the shots sometimes that he takes and everything else, you know, like I think Oklahoma City's offense would be better off if he was a smaller part of it in crunch time, that sort of thing. But he still made my team. And then the guy that, that it's interesting, you haven't brought him up at all, that I had a lot of trouble with, I guess maybe, t- sorry, I, I just say Towns was my 11th guy and then this was my 12th. And so I considered a lot of, a lot of different players here. If, if the season had gone a little bit better more recently, Mike Conley, I would have loved, you know, emotionally to put him on one of the best players yeah. ever to never make an all-star he, he team. was definitely but he very just didn't much deserve in it. the mix for me very much in the mix for yeah me. so then him steven adams of course was in this conversation for me he, he, he wasn't for you and that's fine draymond green i consider him you know he's a, a, my defensive player of the year for this but his offense has been so much worse overall this season been better over the last two weeks but that's not enough and another guy that i just want to give some attention to danilo gallinari like gallinari sure. has been a wonderful offensive player this year it's really hard with the clippers because they have all these capable offensive yeah. players and so who do you want to give the credit to i think he's been the best offensive player in their starting lineup and yeah. the starting and lineup Harris has been an important part some, of what they've getting done some buzz too i mean for the, those two guys for me yeah I, I considered them but they're both pretty much one-way players they're at a higher level of performance than they've been uh in particular gallo and they don't do much else other than score and shoot. And I just don't think, you know, compared to some of these other guys, I, I don't think I'd want to have those guys in the team. The Clippers are an ensemble cast. The on-off metrics, Harris is 70th and 65th in PIPM and RPM. Gallo is 80th and 33rd. So not a, a huge argument with those guys either. You know, so and they're, just, they're not all-star level of players to me. This, this would be one of these... Uh, very easily if you select one of them it's like all right then the clippers kind of fall out of it and then they end up missing the playoffs and they don't shoot it quite as well the rest of the year and you look back and like oh, why was this guy on the team you know I, I there's a lot of that potential there for me even though they are both having wonderful years and my last guy kind of fits in certain parts of that conversation especially because he is the second player on a team under 500 but to me drew holiday is just a really good basketball player you know offensively it gets hard sometimes to apportion credit with the pelicans but he's also just a masterful defensive player not in the defensive player of the year conversation but just you know for a guard especially and offensively he's been an important part of what the pelicans have done well this year and their offense has been good it's just been their defense has been pretty shitty so i gave drew that last spot and maybe there's a little bit of residual like hey this guy was like one of the bigger like what he did in the playoffs against dame it was, was a story yeah. that i want to acknowledge and all that but i also think he's been good enough as a player to rise above these other guys you know guys like draymond are having worse years than i would expect so i felt pretty good about having drew on my team so this is my last slot and again i had lamarcus aldridge as, as my 11th guy my last slot came down to five guys mike conley i put demar Derozan in there just so we could talk about him i think he, he's really as the spurs 
numbers have surged there's been this thought that he has been the one who's driving that that's not really the case their bench has really been driving that Aldridge has been driving he's actually down to 53 percent true shooting usage is actually down from his days in Toronto hard to construct any kind of statistical argument for him at this point 99th in RPM 58th in PIPM other than just points per game there's not much and minutes played there's not much there Draymond Green only played 32 games the offense has been a huge struggle until just the last couple of weeks or so he was almost leading the nba in turnover percentage 49 percent true shooting still you know in the 20s from three i mean that's that's a big problem he is a good screener he is a good passer to be sure but defensively I mean, he's playing at a top two level in the league he can go bear uh, uh and we talked about if he plays the rest of the year at this le- level he'll be either he or gobert will probably be our pick for defensive player of the year he also has a really good case uh, just in terms of having played at, at a great level uh, for a long time and then even the the on-off metrics despite his offensive struggles even throwing that in there he's still 15th in pipm 32nd in rpm clay thompson briefly we can dismiss his candidacy he's just been too inefficient jacking too many shots stephen adams you mentioned him 29th in pipm 49th in rpm um just not quite there De'Aaron Fox another guy maybe we should talk about a little bit uh but not quite there for him he's been a quality point guard but he's not quite at the level of some of these other guys and anyone who wants to complain about Devin Booker it seems awful he's 346th in PIPM and 124th in RPM so yeah no probably not his year yet uh the Suns are gonna have to play a little bit better with him uh, on the floor for that to happen so then i I, i've also the guys i had in here was drew holiday on off metrics really good to him 11th in pipm 14th in rpm they have sucked when he's off the floor now that's gonna boot they don't have a backup point guard peyton has been out you know tim frazier and and been playing a lot for them you know just their backup guard play ian clark has just been terrible so those numbers get boosted a little bit by that but he did play at an all-star level in the playoffs last year and i think you know he's been really good and then westbrook Still, the numbers when he's on the floor aren't that bad. 111 offensive rating, that drops down to 99 when he's off the floor. Now, granted, some of that's, you know, he matches his minutes with Adams, and they don't have any shooting on the second unit, blah, blah, blah. But Schroeder is supposed to be the capable backup point guard. So, clearly, the 47% true shooting doesn't hurt the team as much as it might suggest. The crazy low three-point shooting, even though he takes 24% of his shots from downtown. But I still just couldn't go there with him. I I think Holiday has been better than him. So uh, Draymond probably would have been my second pick here, but he, he again, has just been a little bit too inefficient. And, and with Westbrook, too, I don't see him getting better as a shooter. I mean, we've been waiting for that to happen, and he'll have one good game, and then he has four bad ones again. He's three for 20 in a game like just last week. So I am going to go with Drew Holiday as well uh, to finish things out here. Um, anything else you want to say uh, before we uh, move on to the news and, and talking a little bit about how DeMarcus Cousins has looked at, in his return? No, I think I think we've spent plenty of time. There are a few other guys that I like loosely considered, but... That's nah, fine. All right, we got some news to get to. I want to talk about our impressions of Demarcus Cousins' uh, return as well after he has played two games. Clay Thompson obviously had that ridiculous performance. Kind of wish he hadn't taken that last three so he could have finished 10 out of 10 and set the record. But before that, I'm going to tell you about Blue Chew. Now you can increase your performance and get extra confidence in bed with bluechew.com, bringing you the first chewable with the same FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis. You can take them anytime, day or night, and since they're chewable, they work up to twice as fast as a pill. 
you can be ready whenever an opportunity arises. This isn't just for guys with dysfunction. It's for any guy who wants to enhance their performance in the bedroom. Blue Chew is prescribed online and ships straight to your door in a discreet package. No in-person doctor's visits, no waiting in the pharmacy, and best of all, no more awkwardness. Blue Chew is made in the USA, and since it ships direct, it's cheaper than a pharmacy. Visit bluechew.com and get your first shipment free when you use our promo code CAPSPACE. Use pay $5 shipping. That's Blue Chew, B-L-U-E, the color blue bluechew.com promo code cap space to so try it free blue chew the better cheaper faster choice so the warriors blew out the lakers tonight we did the nba cast just now we're recording the rest of this after that philly houston game that was also just a, a massive blowout clay thompson 10 of 11 could have set the nba record for most threes without a miss he was 10 to 10 at one point and then took a really difficult step back although you know not like he can't make those the lakers just really were not equipped to, to deal with them they had kyle kuzma carding in most of the game which wasn't going to work very well uh but we've seen now demarcus cousins play these two games in la two huge warriors blowouts they certainly look great so far uh, what have you seen from cousins to date he's definitely still working his way back in into shape i mean doesn't have the same burst or movement that he did let's say in his at, at his best moments in new orleans but what has been encouraging for the warriors about what cousins has done so far is that he has played with energy and you know there's a play in the lakers game there were a couple in the clippers game where he beat everybody down the floor and he's running the floor pretty hard playing 21 minutes about the first six minutes of each quarter other than some foul trouble in the beginning of the lakers game and playing with energy is important you can see the skill level even when he's not all the way there some really nice passes had a gorgeous one to sean livingston today that ended up not being an assist because livingston passed out of it so i think you have a lot of those pieces there and then the other thing to keep track of is that now the warriors have a second really good screening big man draymond is is strong at that kevon looney is not jordan bell is not and that will open things up for steph curry and clay thompson kevin durant too to a lesser extent but more the first two i agree with that i think his stretch element is important i think he's not wanting to just shoot every time he's open you know he wants to run the offense get other guys involved but the fact that you need to actually guard him out there is important to me the biggest thing that's missing that we were told was going to be huge for him was his post game that does not look good anytime he's tried to post up against another center he just has not had the explosion hasn't created the separation finishing around the rim unless he's got a, a wide open dunk i don't think he's made anything around the rim other than just pretty open shots and he was he would always be among the league leaders in getting his shot blocked even before this so the explosion vertically is definitely not there at this point in time doesn't look as comfortable like bringing the ball up and doing anything off the dribble i think facing up trying to attack off the dribble hasn't looked very good either he's kind of gone into some awkward floaters at times there as well he does make that second unit look a lot better just with a little more spacing a little more threats we'll see whether teams feel like they can actually switch with demarcus where he is at this point in time i actually maybe wouldn't mind switching and say hey demarcus if you want to beat us in the post in your current state go ahead i have been encouraged by his effort level uh, as you said and they don't need many more minutes for him than than maybe 20 or so and I think the defenses look good, granted, against two opponents that really don't have enough pick-and-roll ability to really cause issues for him. He is a smart pick-and-roll defender, though. There's one play that stuck out to me where you know he knows the right moment, at least, to retreat back to his man. He knows when the guy guarding the ball handler has gotten back into position, but he's not really a, a rim protector. He has already tried to take, I think, like five charges, and he's gotten charges uh, on two of them, blocking calls uh, on the other ones. So he is going to—and then he fouls 
fouls a lot as well. So I think that's that's one thing that is going to hurt them a little bit. Like they don't like to foul. They're a low foul team generally, and they like to get misses and get out in the break and tire the other team out instead of having a lot of stoppages. But I mean, I think he's definitely already good enough to help them at this point in time. Is he going to be good enough to where he's going to get a huge contract after this year, or he's going to be on the floor instead of Andre Iguodala at the end of games? You know, I, I've got some skepticism there, but he's still you know he's not done he's uh, definitely has provided something it just remains to be seen how efficient he can be uh but as a smart player good passer i I think he can certainly give them more than they were getting at the center position and provide another element so uh he's been a little bit better than i expected defensively and i would say about the same maybe a little bit worse maybe not than i expected but I had some hope that he would look a little bit better trying to finish around the rim, and that has you know, not been the case so far. So we'll have to see if that comes back. Maybe it won't. Do you have anything else to say on this, or do you want to run through some news? Yeah, I think we can uh, get to the news. Let's start with this mellow trade here. What are the details? Carmelo Anthony is a Chicago Bull. I, I, I can't, I mean, after years of speculation i can't believe we're not focusing on that part of this deal camaro anthony is a member of the chicago bulls at long last but no this is at least as of now looks to be a purely financial transaction between these two teams eerily similar i actually proposed mostly as a joke to the athletics editorial staff that i could just repurpose the michael carter williams bulls trade and just change the names to carmelo and fix the numbers and they said no basically we can't rerun it but it's the same basic logic here houston clears a roster spot houston does not have to pay the luxury tax on the entirety of carmelo anthony's veterans minimum salary they gave chicago it sounds like according to jonathan fagan's reporting an additional nine hundred thousand beyond the money that carmelo anthony was owed at, at, for, for their trouble basically and now the rockets get an extra roster spot they save about 2.6 million in in tax which is great for them great for tillman fertita and chicago assuming they end up cutting him before he plays in a game gets that money now the reason that this deal was required today was because kenneth farid has been bought out he is joining the rockets in the absence of clint capella unfortunately because the league office was closed over the weekend and on holidays they couldn't agree to the trade prior to the close of business on friday and therefore james nunnally who is a solid shooter had been with the wolves then was signed by the rockets on a 10 day before he was going to go back to europe he now had to be released again they could always re-sign him on another 10 day and then of course they'd have to sign him to a rest of season contract but they're going to be deprived of his services for a few days. He hadn't finished that 10-day yet, and he still gets all of his money from that 10-day. But they had to create the roster spot for free. They wanted him to play immediately against Philly. Well, they lost by 30 against Philly, so that didn't really work out that well. But that's why they ended up having to move Carmelo now, and there's a sympathist. And so maybe the Bulls, sensing that, were able to squeeze an extra twenty-five grand or so out of <laughs> Tillman for Fertitta. The Rockets now have used most of their cash. I think they have about 450K remaining at this point so that's probably not going to be enough to sweeten uh, one more move before the trade deadline and obviously if they wanted to buy a draft pick they wouldn't be able to do that unless they waited until next league year to do the transaction chris paul uh, oh and then from the bulls standpoint they has been reported are not going to waive anthony right away anthony is still looking for another team there's talk that the lakers could sign him i think that would be lunacy they've already got michael beasley who's probably a better microwave score and crazy as it is to say probably a better defensive player than carmelo at this point in time it would appease lebron james but lebron is under a three-year contract so uh, that's a, less of a concern than actually winning but the bulls may keep mellow around he cannot be aggregated 
traded in a trade, but he could potentially be traded to another team. The reporting seems to indicate that Melo is not going to be signed right now, including the Lakers, who have 15 guaranteed contracts. They don't want to just cut a guaranteed contract. But if more action occurs during the trade deadline, some of these teams will get roster spots. Maybe then Melo can glom on and continue his career. And being on a minimum salary, he can just be traded to whatever team it is without having to send anything back. And maybe the Bulls can get another 25 grand or so for their uh, involvement. I mean, I don't blame them, though. I mean, obviously, why not just take the money when you can do this? Right. And since Carmelo could get traded to any team with an open roster spot, since he is making the the veterans minimum for a single season, they didn't have a ton of leverage to to demand more than this. And 900,000 in cash is a lot. As, as the compensation for this, they owe 667000 But according to Fagan's reporting, they get that money plus, you know, that 900000 So that's, that's a lot for them. I'm sure it compounds for Bulls fans the kind of cash considerations issues. Remember, they sold their second round pick that became Jordan Bell for cash. And then now they're kind of doing it on the other end. They're not getting any other resources and there's no guarantee that the money they are receiving as profit is going to go into the team. But I don't think they had the leverage to get anything more than that. So in these circumstances, I'm fine with it. Yeah, the same as with the Michael Carter Williams earlier. Elsewhere on the Rockets news, Chris Paul practiced on Saturday. He's supposed to be about a, a week away or so with that hamstring. I'm sure they will bring him back extremely slowly. They'll want him to get through probably a, quite a few practices before they're going to actually bring him back and Brandon Knight was questionable to return after some knee soreness against the Sixers he did not play though against them so unclear whether he in fact was healthy at that point in time the Dennis Smith saga has taken another turn and we hinted that this maybe had to be what was going to happen here that he has reconciled Rick Carlisle in fact supposedly apologized to him in a phone conversation certainly there's been plenty of discussion about Smith and the advice that he is getting and and he wants to be with his teammates and the the idea that he might not be getting the greatest advice and certainly there have been rumors that his father is a uh, a little bit off the deep end previously in terms of advising him but the mavericks have gone out of their way to say oh no he's a good competitor and blah blah and so there is this reconciliation that's not to say that they're not going to try to move him but it was just as obvious there wasn't a deal out there for him the only way that he was going to have more value to a team that he was being traded to than the Mavericks themselves if he actually plays better and maybe they can look for a deal in the offseason seems unlikely that the situation would change much by the trade deadline I still maintain that some other teams should be willing to make a play for Smith you know I would be looking at maybe trading a, a late lottery type of pick for him top 10 might be a little much at this point but I think he's still a player who has a lot of upside the upside to be a solid starter and you know maybe even more than that the chance that gets realized who knows but at least it gives you a chance at something where you know if you're looking at team like the magic they just don't have anyone on the perimeter who has even a a tenth of the potential that smith does uh so he'll be back he's supposed to rejoin the team tuesday unclear if he's necessarily gonna play or not i mean he's kind of been away from the team he may need to get back in shape a a little bit but especially with jj bray out he's gonna have plenty of playing time he might even get some time now on the second unit i think that's one thing that they could do danny especially with Berea out to placate him a little more. It's like give him some run as the primary guy away from Luca. What do you think of that? I'm a big supporter of it. I, I think that giving Dennis Smith that opportunity, it not only lets the Mavericks and other teams evaluate how he can do really running the show, but a lot of players like that. I think that especially when you have a player who is sacrificing touches to be a starter, 
giving them some run with the second unit is a good idea. I've supported that with the Warriors with DeMarcus Cousins as well. And there are numerous other examples around the league. So yeah, big supporter with Dennis Smith. And like you said, this felt like an inevitability when a deal didn't happen immediately because whether it's because the Mavericks can use him or because he needs to, because they can theoretically add to his trade value, Smith returning into the fold just always made some sense. Yeah, I, I wouldn't say it was an inevitability. I would say it was a logical result. Oh, it felt pretty damn inevitable. A logical result. Because just because yeah. I mean, we've seen guys, I mean, Patrick McCaw or, uh, you know, of guys who just, yeah, they, it might be the best thing for them, but they still don't do it. Uh, but no, so it's good to see that yeah, this is. Yeah, I, I don't know that we've ever seen it in this kind of a situation. Yeah. Like with McCaw, he was more marginal in the rotation right. and all that. Like that, it, it would be pretty shocking to me. But so we could go from one young point guard in the 2018, 17 class that is returning to one, sadly, that's going to be out for a while. Lonzo Ball, grade three left ankle sprain that is currently projected to be a four to six week absence grade three ankle sprains are nasty it could end up being longer than that and while the lakers were going to lose this game either way i mean you could just see how hard it is for this team without rondo who should be coming back soon without lebron who will be coming back at some point how hard it is for this team to generate reliable offense yeah i mean they really have brandon ingram is their their point guard and really behind him there's nobody with much experience even bringing the ball up in their careers so yeah they're definitely uh, experiencing a struggle uh this is now the third time this season and fourth left ankle sprain since entering the league and remember he also I mean, also has this knee injury so i mean this is probably going to be a season ender for him maybe he gets back towards the end but hard to see you know a grade three ankle sprain four to six weeks i think that is optimistic when you consider like reggie jackson had that grade three ankle sprain he was out like six to eight good of the lakers to at least uh, release a timetable though which they did not with lebron and perhaps it was lebron's doing that they didn't do that well and a severity right yeah to say it's actually a grade three uh as, yeah they didn't say grade two for lebron but yeah that was probably just them lebron not wanting that to be released uh so we'll see i mean rondo probably is going to get solidified now as the starting point guard tough to see lonzo getting back and taking that away from him before the playoffs but i mean this is now a second season that essentially has been ruined by injury for ball and it's really a shame to see he was starting to come around a little bit but you're always skeptical of that when a guy who can't shoot just has five good games shooting the ball it's not really something you can hang your hat on yet rondo is close though he practiced on sunday but uh is not ready for the game against golden state and lebron did five on five non-contact on sunday seems like later this week could be possible for him and for rondo as well we can move to the denver nuggets two different elements here isaiah thomas this is from Woj. there's optimism that he is going to play before the all-star break i mean remember it was mid-december at one point that was the first real time we heard i think that was was from the denver post then now and then it's bounced around a little bit since then i that's of course after the all-star break i mean depending on where before the all-star game it happens but still would be good to have him back in the fold this season and then the other important piece of news is we've been kind of wondering if something was going on with Juancho Hernan Gomez he's you know kind of been bouncing around a little bit in the rotation even though he had a really good start to start to the year and then while Millsap was out and it turns out that he has an ab strain that he has been playing through and is now missing some time with it so that's going to be something I want to keep an eye on over the next little while because Juancho has been an important part of their success yeah absolutely they certainly have the depth to withstand his absence but a shame because he was really looked to have reestablished himself in the rotation as he comes back now you know I think for for Malone more than most you have to kind of earn your spot back 
and he's very much dependent on hitting shots and they've got a lot of other guys so it wouldn't shock me if he just doesn't make it back into the rotation which i think would be a shame especially because i think he's much better than say trey lyles even if he's not going to start and then we actually got a michael porter jr update he's been going through some non-contact stuff at practice that mike Malone just saying he's been impressed with his shooting and, and that he's a good finisher not sure how he came to that conclusion when all he's been doing is non-contact stuff but maybe he can do some pretty impressive dunks uh haven't heard anything on jared vanderbilt yet uh, on these disappeared denver nuggets uh, injured guys and and good on the nuggets so i mean when you consider that they've had three roster spots that have just been total zeros this entire season guys who haven't even played this year that they've gotten stuff out of pretty much every single slot on the roster except our and and who I, I agree with you, Danny, should have been released a, a while ago. Uh, in Detroit, troubling news ish Smith groin issue has returned he did not play against washington either so it's looking like after he did come back he's missed two straight now and some sort of re-injury appears to be in play here who knows how much time he's gonna miss yet tristan thompson has now missed three straight with a sore left foot in cleveland oh and you're writing this in now that drummond is still in the concussion protocol for detroit i'm seeing that right now so sorry for the non-sequitur there yeah i just wanted to mention it because he also missed the game against the wizards and they're you know they don't have a ton of depth at the center spot Zaza Pachulia has been starting in his stead so uh, the Clippers they did win in San Antonio quite shorthandedly with no Lou Williams no Danilo Gallinari that is a bad home loss for the Spurs as DeMar DeRozan struggled to four of 16 shooting in only 29 minutes but the Clips had lost five straight before that Uh, they are sinking in the playoff race Williams this is the second hamstring injury that he's had this season no time line yet the clips another one of these teams that just doesn't really give you anything or you remember the gallo saga last year for example luke and Mute, you know might as well be living on mars at this point but lou you know a, a another hamstring injury is a little bit of concern and then another one for gallo who and you'll remember way back in his rookie year missed a lot of time with back surgery he left the game against golden state early with back stasms got ruled out early for their game against san antonio he's not exactly the quickest healer and remember he had that glute injury last year so a lot of issues with that lower back hamstring glute chain in his past that's a a concern as well so I'm, i'm a little worried about this one uh that it could be some time for gallo and obviously Obviously, he's been very key for what they're doing as well. They do not have much at the forward position behind he and Tobias Harris. Right. And you might not have heard this, but Gallo is also, as we're recording this on Monday evening, has already been ruled out of Tuesday's game as well. So that's another not good sign. And we can jump to the New Orleans Pelicans. Anthony Davis has a left finger sprain. He is uh, expected to miss one to two weeks. Rich Paul told Shams over the weekend that Davis would reevaluate the injury in three to four days just to see if he needs to see a specialist, if it's going to be more severe. They did, the New Orleans Pelicans did get a significant road win. They beat the stuffing out of the Memphis Grizzlies 105-85 without Anthony Davis. But part of the reason this is exceedingly important, they're still under 500, they're 22 and 25. And until basically the trade deadline, every game they're playing other than the last one is against a still competing team. Now, they're better than some of those teams, including Detroit on Wednesday, but it's going to be tough sledding. And this is a very important time for the franchise. Yeah. And also slightly ominous that news that Paul said that there, he may need to see a hand specialist if you know, things don't resolve in three to four days. We'll see whether that happens. And this is yet another on just these crazy list of injuries. Shubin t- tweeted this out. He's had missed games due to, I can't even count them all up, but over 30 separate injuries 
injuries in his career that's pretty crazy including illnesses as well what one due to rust uh minnesota uh, i hadn't seen much on a timeline until i read a, a nice chat that john krasinski did the athletic.com slash cap space to sign up for that uh, he's been fantastic he said that covington timetable is more like four to six weeks from when he's first injured i think that was shortly before the first of the year he's still not doing anything on the court yet as of a couple of days ago and then tyus jones or a report that he had a high ankle sprain uh, that apparently is incorrect it's just a regular ankle sprain john was thinking that he might miss a few weeks but he doesn't think that that's the case anymore so but teague and rosa are back as well rose had a huge game 31 points hit the game winner against the suns on sunday what else we got here in phoenix both deandre ayton due to an ankle sprain and rashawn holmes due to a foot issue missed their game on sunday against the aforementioned minnesota timberwolves so dragon bender started and they almost won they ended up losing that game late and we don't really have a specific timeline ayton is listed as doubtful for their game again against the timberwolves i hate when they do this on tuesday and holmes is questionable so they might have to go in a little bit longer time with bender this came through about a week ago sacramento actually picking up the options for next year on their assistant coaches in a move designed to quell tensions to some degree with Dave Yeager and his staff. Although it did not go over well that Brandon Williams was the one who actually sent the paperwork to the assistant coaches. They carped to it about that because Williams, of course, is a public enemy number one with the coaching staff. In San Antonio, Rudy Gay is back from that sprained left wrist. And in Toronto, Kawhi actually rested two games after that Boston game, did not practice today on Monday, but had a scheduled maintenance checkup in which new oil was provided, perhaps a filter as well, according to Nick Nurse. That was the phrasing that he used. And then they're also been without uh, OG Ananobi again, four straight uh, for personal reasons. I'm not sure it slipped past me exactly what this is, if it's come out, uh, you know, whether it's a family illness or something like that, uh, why it is uh, that he's uh, missed a number of games this season due to personal reasons, but uh, hopefully everything is okay there ultimately. And that has been something that has derailed his season to some degree as he's been in that fight for minutes off the Toronto bench. It has been a longer absence for Alex Abrinas. I don't know his the story there either, but he is he is coming back as well, which is a welcome addition to the Oklahoma City rotation. Memphis, there was a, a Shams had a piece for the Athletic about how Mike Conley and Marcus Soul met with Robert Para. I think that was during last week. It sounded like that meeting was something that they were going to do anyway. Para was in town and they were going to have that conversation, but it does certainly feel a little bit more ominous considering where the Grizzlies are in the Western Conference playoff picture and knowing where those guys stand, and especially with Marcus Soul having a player option for next season. That information is exceedingly important to Para and the overall management of the Memphis Grizzlies over the next two and a half weeks. Yeah, Gasol played the last couple of games with lower back tightness. He acknowledged that it's been an issue and you know, he really, since he had an ankle sprain about a month into the season, just hasn't been the same guy. He was certainly playing over his head, to be sure, that first month or so. Uh, but yeah, certainly if Gasol says, hey, I want to opt out or I'd like to be traded, or if Mike Conley says the same thing, you know, that that could change the trajectory of the franchise. And then Joakim Noah has been away from the team for personal reasons the last few games as well. Uh, the Unicornet in New York, Luke Cornett, sprained his ankle on Sunday, had an x-ray, which means it's probably, you know, going to be a couple of weeks, Jeff. 
generally if they x-ray it it's rare that they'll actually see like a fracture right there but if there's that sort of severity that they're even concerned about that you have to imagine it's got some modicum of severity but they just got mitchell robinson back maybe edis Cantor can get back in the rotation he again reiterated his desire uh to play regularly not playing regularly still or at all is markel fultz he has returned to philly he's been on the bench with them these last couple of games he's going to continue his shoulder rehabilitation there no timetable yet on a return to the lineup and of course fultz uh, undergoing therapy in la since leaving the sixers in early december for that thoracic outlet syndrome and hopefully this means that things are a little bit better they're probably gonna he's probably going back to the maybe there's a hope that the physical symptoms have resolved some and now they can kind of work again yet again uh, on rebuilding a shot getting him to where he's able to play nba basketball Corey brewer was signed to a 10 day had a nice game today uh, against james harden providing some energy and uh, jimmy butler though uh, did miss tonight uh, with a sore wrist uh, as they blew out the rock yeah which is another impressive part of that performance Aaron gordon has missed two straight games with a sore back and was questionable he i believe he didn't play in their their 19 point win yeah he didn't play in their 19 point win over the atlanta hawks in utah ricky rubio did return and came off the bench with a minutes limit in utah's 109 104 loss at home to portland dante exum with his hamstring injury still is not going to be reevaluated for another week same with Hul neto with his groin and tabasa with his hamstring it's still been the donovan mitchell show he's a little bit less efficient in this one but still did drop 36 points in atlanta nothing new still uh, on kent baseball no indications that he's been ramping up his his workouts uh, or nearing a return with his ankle sprain and then in boston uh marcus smart was not suspended for that altercation that we talked about but he was fined thirty five thousand dollars which is that's enough where it's like you were right on the borderline of getting suspended basically is what that number says to me and finally yeah. uh oh. yeah go ahead sorry no that's i, I was just going to agree with you you can you can go on to the nets all right well i'm glad i i paused to let you agree with me <laughs> uh zanim musa injured his shoulder in late december a right shoulder subluxation doesn't look like he's gonna be back until late january that musa the 29th overall pick was taken in the pick that they got for taking on damari carroll's salary sending back justin hamilton to the raps who was a immediately stretched and then jared dudley his left hamstring strain he's not gonna be back he's been out a week or so already i think he's missed four games he's not gonna return uh, this week either but he did at least agree with me on twitter that roughs are allowing too much of these forearm push-offs even when the guys don't extend the arm so uh jared making great use of his time uh, out of the lineup there I, I appreciate that and i think we can call it quits here what else uh we got to talk about anything well we can mention that the submission thread is up for our patreon mailbag for this month so if you are a subscriber patreon.com slash duncan you can ask us a question and much higher chance of asking it because those are the only people who ask it those are the only people only people who get responses of course we really do enjoy doing it it's very substantive for it and of course we're going to have salary cap sheets i had a piece on the trade deadline that came out for the athletic and i'll probably have a pick protection one out in the next couple of days it's probably not going to be on tuesday but it will be at some point soon i'm glad you finally decided to address the topic of pick protection it's uh you know it, it, it built up enough it built up enough in me and I, and I just i i i've reached a point where i'm like okay I've, I've been silent on this for too long i need to i need to act i need to inspire change yeah, and too long is what like two months or so <laughs> in this case actually i think it's been closer to five but yeah it's i mean i have a maintained oh. sheet that i do and but but the most there are a couple things that have changed like i i, I had to uh, thinking about the memphis situation in particular i wanted to go 
into the math because now that the lottery sure. odds have changed. So those sorts of circumstances are fun to to dip back into. And of course, the Maverick situation, which we can talk about at, at some future point as well. All right. Thanks to BlueChew.com for sponsoring today. They bring you the first chewable with FDA approved active ingredients to enhance your performance in the bedroom. It's not just for guys with dysfunction. Blue Chew is for any guy who wants to get extra confidence in bed. Blue Chew is prescribed online and ships straight to your door. Visit BlueChew.com and get your first shipment free when using that promo code CAPSPACE. Just pay $5 shipping. That's B-L-U-E, BlueChew.com. Promo code CAPSPACE, B-L-U-E, BlueChew.com. Promo code CAPSPACE to try it for free. Just pay $5 shipping. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply.